Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story, talking to the biggest names, covering the biggest stories. She's Rita Cosby. This is the Rita Cosby Show on 77 WABC. Lovely Rita, meet a maid, nothing can come between us. When it gets dark, I tow your heart away. Standing by so are you as confused as I am over the COVID messaging from this administration? And rewind a little bit, because as we're looking at a lot of the statements from President Biden, including, okay, we'll have 500 million tests coming in a matter of days so far. Have you seen the lines all over the country, including in the tri-state area? Enormous lines. And if you're not sick before you get in line, you're going to be sick because you're standing out in the freezing cold for hours upon hours. Don't even know if you're going to get a test. There are reports tonight that in LaGuardia, a number of people who've had to fly out even overseas who maybe just had one vaccine and they need to show that they have a negative on one of their PCR tests. Well, they are waiting for hours upon hours. And some of those that were not sick are now getting sick because they and their kids are standing in line. Boy, has this been a disaster. And I keep thinking, gosh, you know what? When President Biden took over, he had it handed to him on a silver platter. He had Operation Warp Speed. The vaccines were already done. They were approved. They were coming to market. A number of them were already out there. Also, the testing had been approved by the FDA. So how difficult has it been to physically get the tests? It is outrageous that he had the hard part done and he promised he would get rid of COVID. And he condemned President Trump like there was no tomorrow about the fact that COVID was consuming President Trump's presidency, basically saying he's going to be the guy who gets rid of COVID. Well, here it is a year later, and you just heard from Bill O'Reilly that six million cases of COVID in December 2021. That is a staggering number. And I think the next month is going to be an even bigger mess. And they just seem to be all over the place. Are you deeply confused? Because I certainly am by all of this. It's 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Do you have any optimism that in 2022, President Biden will fulfill his campaign promise that he's going to be the guy to get rid of COVID? And so far, there have been more deaths under President Biden than there ever were under President Trump. And boy, the messaging is all over the place. Fauci at first says 10 days and they change it to five days. They admit he and Rochelle Walensky admit 
that it's because basically of politics, not because of science, because he says people probably won't tolerate that amount. And when you hear all of this and all of the mixed messaging, it is just deeply confusing. And I had to go back and think about different other times with President Biden on the campaign trail. He said, get this, once he was elected, he actually said this in July 2021 in a town hall, that you won't get COVID if you get the vaccine. How many of you know people that have had breakthrough cases with the vaccine? I can tell you, I can think of almost a 100 people. Every single one of them has the vaccine and got coronavirus in the last, whatever, few days or week or two with the Omicron variant that is spreading like wildfire. So he has been wrong time and time again. And what about the messaging on masks? That's been all over the place. Take a listen, because over the weekend, Scott Gottlieb, who is definitely, you know, leans liberal, former FDA commissioner. Well, this is what he had to say, essentially, about masks that a lot of people are going, wait, wait, wait. We have been wearing cloth masks and other masks, different kind of masks. But they've always said, hey, put whatever kind of mask you can put on. Well, now the former FDA director has a different message for everybody. Take a listen. Cloth masks aren't going to provide a lot of protection. That's the bottom line. This is an airborne illness. We now understand that. And a cloth mask is not going to protect you from a virus that spreads through airborne uh, transmission. It could protect better through droplet transmission, something like the flu, but not something like this coronavirus. And Admiral Brett Drawer, who also was on the coronavirus task force, remember, under Trump, this is what he had to say. And I think the evidence is mounting that Omicron is highly infectious and the typical single cloth masks do not help. Um, a surgical mask is, is better or a type of N95 mask is, is obviously the best. You have to weigh your own risk and benefit for that. But I think the era of cloth masks with Omicron is probably over. They don't really provide um, almost any protection, uh, according to the newest data. But the former CDC director, Richard Besner, also was an ABC medical contributor for years, has a different opinion. Boy, will this make your head spin. I have a lot of respect for Dr. Gottlieb, but I, I, I disagree with him uh, on, on this point. Okay. Um, clearly, N- N95 masks will give you the best protection. K94 masks will, will provide significant protection. But you do get some protection from, from cloth masks. As I listen to experts in, in that area, um, it does decrease the amount of, of aerosol that is going directly at another individual. Um, so there is some protection. If you're someone, though, who's at, at significant risk, for severe illness, and you have access to N95 masks, um, that's a good way to go. But for for other people, it does provide some benefit uh, if you're wearing a mask and the people that you're engaging with are wearing masks as well. Wow. Is that confusing or what? And then think about the mixed messaging we're getting on testing, on when to test, on students going to school. We have many school groups and, in fact, a lot of teachers' unions. Uh, By the way, 2,000 classes, uh, schools rather, around the country have now canceled in-person short-term learning. And then you've got messages from even the Biden administration saying full steam ahead. You've got others who say don't. You've got teachers unions and others, including the ones in Chicago, who are saying we want testing first. They can't even get a test. And their teachers You know, it it is just a disaster. Well, joining us now to talk about all of this is the great investigative journalist, the founder of Just the News, John Solomon. John, what do you make of all this confusion? 
Well, listen, a year ago, Joe Biden's promise to the American people went something like this. I'm with the U.S. government, been there 40, 50 years with the government, and I'm here to help you. And a year later, people are saying, I'm not sure we want your help anymore. Stop it. Uh, the government has been wrong time and again. And, and it doesn't matter whether it's on COVID and Omicron or the Afghan withdrawal or uh, inflation being transitory when, in fact, it's going to be persistent. Uh, the Biden administration has not gotten the single most important thing it needs to do with the American people, and that is have credibility. Be straight with the American people and be right when you say you're being straight. They've been wrong, and that credibility gap begins to erode lots of things. It erodes his authority to get new things done. It erodes his ability to get people to follow instructions in the case of a crisis like COVID. Uh, And it's reducing even those allies in Congress who are now wondering whether President Biden is more of a liability than an an asset as they run for re-election as Democrats in 2022. So he has weakened his position enormously by all of these proclamations which have not come true. And that credibility gap is the one thing that presidents have the hardest time overcoming. Once you lose that credibility, it's a long climb back up that hill to regain it. Yeah, and the problem is, uh, for President Biden, it's all on tape. I mean, there he is, you know, saying, John Solomon, okay, well, you know, I, you won't get the coronavirus if you get the vaccine to push people to get the vaccine. He was blasting President Trump saying, what's wrong with you? How come you can't get a handle on it? And again, President Trump started with zero. He started from zero to Operation Warp Speed. Whereas President Biden started with everything on a silver plate and he can't get it fixed. It's like he's got to eat his words now. Yeah, there's no doubt. And I think the greatest reversal occurred just before Christmas when the president declared that there's no longer a federal solution uh, to the crisis. This is a man who preached for a year on the campaign trial. All it needed was a little tweaking and he could get a federal solution that would solve this. He has now abandoned that position. And with it, I think he's abandoned a lot of the trust of the American people who are wondering, well, I trusted this guy and now he's just flipped on me. Uh, the next few months are going to be incredibly import, uh, difficult months for the uh, Biden presidency. And decisions he makes are going to cement his legacy and also his ability to get any other work done. This is a president that has low popularity, low uh, job approval, and uh, not really any victories under his belt that he can turn to and say, I did something good for the American people. The economy, COVID, world affairs all seem to be in turmoil right now. And uh, the next few months are really going to define this presidency. Many presidents have found themselves on the ropes and they've found a way to come back. We'll have to see if Joe Biden can find that winning strategy. You know, as you point out, on a number of issues where he did well in the polls, you know, when he first took office and he wrote on being the guy who was going to solve this all, who was going to get us, quote, out of the chaos. And if you look at, as you just mentioned so eloquently, John Solomon, so many different points, it is more chaotic than ever. And especially on COVID, he always did well on COVID because people thought, okay, well, maybe he's got the solution. Maybe he's got the answer. And now it's like his, I think he's disconnected. It's the sense of disconnect. Connection um, that he almost doesn't care or an apathy or seems clueless. I'm not sure which. Yeah, there were some moments in November, December as the holiday season was approaching. And, you know, this is middle class Joe, the guy who said he understood the blue collar worker and was there in the trenches with them all his life, rode the Amtrak together with them, uh, where he was saying, you know, high gas prices is not a big problem. Uh, food prices, don't worry about it. It's not going to affect anyone. This is good for you. Anyone who lived in a family that's a working family, a blue-collar family, a middle-class family, knows that rising gas prices, rising uh, fuel prices, rising uh, heating oil, rising uh, uh, 
prices for Christmas gifts is not good. And they keep trying to sell uh, lemons to the American people when what what the American people are demanding is just give it to us straight. If there's going to be inflation, let us know so we can prepare. If there's going to be worker shortages, let us know so we can prepare. This administration has tried to deny the truth so often that I think now it has a boy cry wolf scenario where the public just doesn't really take its first account very seriously. No, you're right, because first he'll say, "Okay, well, nobody told me to keep troops in Afghanistan. And then you've got Milley who said the opposite. And then him saying, "Okay, well, don't worry about the you know, we're going to send X uh, tests out. Well, they didn't do that. They're going to do this. They didn't do that. There's there's a lot of uh, contradictions. And even when he says it the first time, it doesn't sound authoritative. Um, I want to ask you, too, by the way, John Solomon, I saw a report um, on actually illegal immigrants being flown into Scranton, PA, because he's Scranton Joe, um, in the middle of the night. Um, And the dichotomy and the contrast between the way that illegal immigrants are being treated in terms of not being tested, being flown in the dead of night to cities all over the country, including now Scranton, PA, according to this new report tonight. Um, And yet, here, so many places around the country are dealing with lockdowns and mandates. It, it, it's such an unbelievable double standard. Now think of think of what just happened a few hours ago. It required a federal judge to intervene just a few hours ago in the Navy in Seal story. case. Yep. Yeah, uh, uh, saying that hey, you're not really taking the religious exemption seriously, and as a result, I'm not going to let you enforce the the COVID mandate. It took a judge to do that, not our president standing up for our warriors that, that fight for our freedom every day. The the illegal immigrants who've entered this country are getting far better treated by this president than the military men and women that serve on the front lines, keeping us safe and secure every night. Those contrasts don't get lost in everyday America. In middle America, that's what people are talking about, and they, and they see it. There's no way to put lipstick on this pig and hide it. And I think right now the president has to really consider rebooting. I think he has to step back and realize this is not the Joe Biden he promised to be. His, uh, the two things that a president relies on are competence and, and credibility, and both of those right now are in tatters for him. He needs a reboot. I saw Bill Clinton, and you did too, back in 1994, do mm-hmm. a reboot, triangulate with a guy named Dick Morris and try to mm-hmm. create a new approach and, and try to pull himself out of the nosedive that the early Clinton administration faced. It'll be interesting to see if this president has that energy, has that ambition to do so, and whether he has the, the intellectual firepower around him, does he really have a team that can see that they're going so far adrift that they have to make a course correction? And um, on COVID, John Solomon, one of the things I, uh, that we were hearing in the last 24 hours, uh, Robert Redfield, as you know, was CDC director sure. under then President Trump. He came out and said, you know what? Joe Biden needs an Operation Warp Speed first on COVID, obviously in a lot of areas, um, but first on COVID. Don't you agree? You don't get the sense that there's like, oh, we're going to hurry up and fix it. There doesn't seem to be an adult in the room. Yeah, I think one of the things that this president lacks, and, and some of you, some people say it's a personal energy thing. I think it's a personal urgency thing. There yeah. isn't a sense of urgency in this administration when the moment calls for urgency. Sometimes being calm and collected and having a, a, a long game is a good thing. But when we're facing another potential interruption of school for children, when we're seeing record hospitalizations, record COVID cases, people want to see a president who has urgency. They see Ron DeSantis pulling every lever he can find in Florida to get the best treatments for his people. And then you contrast that with this president who seems to be aloof, missing, quiet, 
at moments when the country is calling for immediate action. Uh, I think that sense of urgency has been missing up and down his administration. I, I think when people look back at the Afghan failure, it will be that failure to recognize and adapt urgently when the circumstances on the ground change. They stayed the course even when all the warning signs were yelling, change course. I think that that's going to be a common theme in this presidency, unless they get a new team and a new approach. Yeah, but boy, they've missed a lot of time in the meantime, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's the tragedy. And I think people still don't under they, they don't feel any guidance. They don't feel any leadership. And no. that is really difficult for the American public. John Solomon, always great to have you on and happy new year. Wonderful to have you here. Thanks, Rita. Really enjoy your show. Thank you. Always love having you on. The great John Solomon of Just the News. Thanks so much, John. Let's go to your calls. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to George in Manhattan. George, uh, what do you make of all this confusion and mixed messages and, and a lack of leadership, George? Yeah, but uh, you know one thing I've always taken into account as a fact in my mind, maybe others might have might agree or disagree uh, uh, quite likely, especially Republicans I've spoken with. First, I want to mention that Trump, one of the greatest, if not the greatest president we've ever had, especially in view of foreign affairs, the bullies, you know, taking advantage of the United States. Thousand percent. Kept them How in line. How powerful he's been. Yes. You know, but unfortunately, there was one problem with him. The first lady and 80 percent, remember, uh, during the height of the COVID disaster, he, and you, uh, just before the campaign or during the campaign, uh, campaigning as well, unfortunately, in a very close, tight election, you know, the independents and undecideds said, why is he not wearing a mask in public, at least for sure? I called the White House, right? Oh, you I did? Okay. I did. I uh, Twice. And one what, and, I left all right. a message. Yep. And, and what did you say? Live. I spoke with someone live. And what did you and say, I George? To them, uh, I said to them that although uh, President Trump does not believe in it, you know, just for the heck of it, for sure, should he not be wearing a mask, I urge you to do so. Another reason why Trump lost was he was the second or, uh, well, it was, past tense. He was the second president uh, historically in the United States not to have a pet in the White House. <laughs> well, listen. All right. Hey, George, hold on one second. Wait, wait, wait. Issues, hold on one second. Issues, I, 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 hold on. Hold on a second, George. Hold on one second. Um, first off, on the pet, I, you know, a pet does make you lovable and make you friendly. I don't think the pet was the, was, the, and I'm, and I'm a dog lover. I'm an animal lover. Um, but, and it's always nice to see a pet around. I think it puts a softer side to, to a person, but I don't think that was the criteria. But, to your we point, hang that. on, hang on, hang on, George. But to your point, I do think there is a slight, there was a disconnect during the presidency. And also, you got to remember that at that point, it was still really early on. People didn't understand the virus. But a lot of the things that President Trump said back then are now turning out to be true. 
You know, I, I mean, listen, he also, you know, was pushing for the vaccines. I have no faith that this president, this current one, would have done any of the accomplishments that President Trump has done with Operation Warp Speed. And 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 this president rode on the fact that President Trump had no clue about COVID, and yet there have been more deaths. So maybe there are things that, yes, I think even President Trump would have probably done some things differently himself. On the other hand, this president was given all of the resources sources and all of the valuable Operation Warp Speed vaccines and FDA approval on masks, and he has done nothing with it in terms of really making a mark for himself. And he had everything teed up for him, which is very different than what Trump had when he came in. It was still new. Everybody was trying to figure it out. And yet also President Trump said, listen, you know, get the vaccine. But he also talked about breakthroughs. He also talked about how many people are going to get it. And sadly, unfortunately, he's correct. I mean, you look at it right now, how many people are getting Omicron, how pervasive it is, Um, you know, herd immunity, all these things that are coming now to the fore. um, They're kind of admitting quite frankly. In fact, there was a report in, uh, I think it was a National Review, where basically Rich Lauer, the National Review, said, when is Biden going to apologize to Trump for accusing him of things he didn't do and for basically saying Trump was right on many things about COVID? And that's coming from basically someone who's a never-Trumper. So interesting stuff. George, great call. We're going to continue with your calls after the break, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show on 77 WABC. Rita Cosby is on 77 WABC. show on 77 WABC and we are talking about COVID confusion and also COVID deficiencies because remember this president, President Biden said he's the guy who's going to fix COVID and so far have you seen the lines all over the country for tests? Some of them miles long in cars, some of them blocks long in many places across the country. People are trying to get a test And when they finally get a test, especially those PCR tests, they're saying, okay, we'll give you results in three, five, seven days by the time that's done. And you get the results back. If you had a mild case, it would be over with. So it's just, it is so poorly done. It's so poorly planned. And this president promised that we would see 500 million tests. Well, Richard Besser, who is the former CDC director, had this to say about the lack of testing across the country. We haven't done what we've needed to do in terms of testing. Part of that, I think, was was last spring where the numbers were going down and it looked like we were we were reaching a, a, an end game in terms of this pandemic. And so there, you weren't seeing the same drive for testing. But right now we're seeing how critically important testing is, how valuable it would be uh, for children to be able to be tested, to, to be able to stay in school if they've been exposed, for people in the workplace to be able to be tested if they've been exposed. It's very, very important. Uh, more is being done, but but we are, I think, a long way from having the amount of testing available freely to people that we need to see. And then he was asked about boosters for everybody. Here's what he had to say. 
Well, it definitely makes sense for anyone who hasn't been vaccinated at all to get vaccinated. Um, It does make sense in terms of a booster shot, in terms of increasing your protection. Um, If those doses were going to go instead to someone who has no access to vaccine whatsoever around the globe, uh, it would be a more equitable and just society. That's for sure. Wow. So should we get boosters? Should we not get boosters? Should we share it with the world, even if we are very much vaccinated, especially New York, by the way, it's the most vaccinated city in the country. And yet we have pretty much one of the highest COVID rates right now in the country, too, as well. So it is deeply, deeply confusing. And remember, this president said, if you get the vaccine, it was in July 2021, you will not get COVID. Boy, is he wrong on many counts? 1-800-848-9222. And by the way, we're also streaming on YouTube, everybody. So make sure that you check us out on YouTube on WABC Radio. We are streaming live as well. So you can watch the show, too, which is also neat. Um, now let's go to your calls, everybody. Larry in Brooklyn. Go ahead, Larry. Your thoughts about this. Yeah, I want to comment on what John Solomon said. You know, I don't know who this guy is, but, uh, you know, I'm tired of people understating the truth with uh, with criticism that's much more innocuous than the actual reality. What do you mean Joe Biden, does, his administration, doesn't have a sense of urgency? Uh, that's what a presidency is all about. That's one of the functions is urgency. You ever hear of the of the of the button? You know, of the of the red telephone or whatever it's called, the nuclear telephone. That that's a sense of urgency right there. Uh, I mean, so, hey, Larry, pre- Larry, I, I let me two things. First off, John Solomon a very accomplished journalist. He's an investigative journalist. He's broke some huge scoops. So he's a credible guy. So that's one thing. Two, um, in terms of your point about urgency, um, do you get this feeling that like Joe Biden is like rushing and hurrying up and getting stuff done? He just said, oh, you know, we, there's not a federal response or we're going to get 500 million and, and they haven't gotten it yet. Have you seen the lines across the country? There doesn't seem to be a sense. I do agree with John Solomon on that. I mean, do you get just because he has a red phone? That doesn't mean he has urgency. I can have a red phone all day long. It doesn't mean I have urgency. Rita, with millions of people streaming across the border, what he's doing is he's he's nullifying a sense of urgency. And I believe it's because he's being blackmailed. In other words, every time there's a sense of urgency, which how could there be with his policies anyway? But by the way, by the way, Larry, I agree with you. Well, well, I don't agree about the necessary about the I don't know about the blackmail. I mean, maybe there's some questions about his son, obviously, and others. You know, that's a whole other matter. But what I will tell you about the border is that policy does not make sense at a time where Americans are told about mandates and clamping down. Do you do you like feel how how can you reconcile an open border? I mean, it doesn't make any sense where illegals are crossing, not getting vaccinated. And we just found out a report a few hours ago that they're actually being flown into different cities all over the country. They haven't stopped with these middle of the night flights, including into good old Joe's Scranton PA airport. You know, I mean, it's like, how, how can you have a sense of urgency when you're letting them come across without vaccinations exactly. exactly that's my point if he's creating a sense of urgency how can you criticize him for not having a sense of urgency it doesn't make any sense well my point is i don't think he's creating any sense of urgency i mean that's that's where i'm coming from i think that he has the tools as you rightly said larry i mean he has he has the 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 locate the 
position of being the president. The president can certainly snap his fingers and say, I want this done tomorrow. But that's not happening on on tests. It's not happening with that border being wide open. Uh, they didn't do it with Afghanistan. I mean, there's a lot of areas where I could say I didn't see any urgency. Um, I saw poor execution and I saw lackadaisical and I saw contrasting opinions even within the administration. They just don't seem to be on the same page and they are not relaying a sense of confidence to the American public. Larry, I love the call. Thank you very much. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Rita Cosby is on 77 WABC. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue, sadly, an NYPD officer was shot while sleeping in his car outside a Harlem precinct. And it happened, as we know, right around the holiday. How sad. But luckily, the good news, he was released from the hospital on Sunday. The veteran officer left New York Presbyterian on the east side in the afternoon. He was off duty and sleeping in his personal car outside of the 25th precinct in East Harlem between double shifts on Saturday morning when a bullet fired from a distance struck him in the head. Now, his commanding officer said of him that I think he reaches upon his skills as a previous Marine. He was a military veteran serving his country. He's been an outstanding officer for the residents of Upper East Harlem. And the officer was also not only a military veteran, but also a father. And thank goodness he was released and is going to be okay. And, of course, our thoughts and prayers are always with the NYPD, the greatest police force in the world, I think. And now we are talking about COVID confusion because, by the way, a number of NYPD haven't shown up to work because of some of these mandates. In fact, if you look at some of the stories across the city and across the country, but especially all over the place, and especially in New York, a lot of the people have not shown up to work because either they have the coronavirus or cannot adhere to the mandate. There are all these different policies all over the place, and it's creating mass confusion and mass shortages, too, not only in the NYPD, but elsewhere. And we are talking to Robert Redfield. He's the CDC, former CDC director under President Trump. And what he had to say about um, Operation Warp Speed and some of the virtues of it, what he felt is that this president, this president overall needs some urgency. You heard from Larry. Larry agreed with me finally that there needs to be some urgency with this president. But Robert Redfield says what under President Trump, there was this hurry up. Let's, well, let's hurry up and try to get vaccines as he did. Let's hurry up and try to get FDA approval of the test, which he did. Let's hurry up and try to get things going so people would not be out of work. So we would not see shortages. And here is what Robert Redfield said about the situation now. There needs to be an Operation Warp Speed-like mindset to developing antivirals, not just two antivirals from Pfizer and Merck, but we need a whole portfolio of antivirals that uh, can really begin to put this pandemic back in its place. That's ultimately what's going to bring this to what we call the endemic state, when we learn to live with this, when we have the adequate testing, adequate antivirals, combined with the continuing to get the uh, American public vaccinated, revaccinated, and revaccinated. Yeah. 
And Robert Redfield, again, the former CDC director under Trump, also said there's still a lot of missing components. And he's astounded that this administration hasn't done more research with antigens. I think there are areas that really disappoint me. You mentioned one on your earlier part of your show that there's not been a real push in private-public partnership to give this nation the testing that we need. You know, I've estimated we need one to two billion tests a month uh, to have the testing needs. We need testing because we've got to embrace knowledge of infection rather than these general mitigation steps that say, well, knowledge of infection... You know, it's not something that we, we can accomplish. We can look at the CDC's new guidance for uh, isolation in five days. I think it's really imperative that be- people get tested with an antigen test, uh, you know, upon release back into uh, work, et cetera. And I think you heard a lot of the reasons, well, maybe they didn't do it. Rick Bessard said, well, because we don't have enough tests. Well, we need the private partnerships to get the tests we need. Yeah, why are we not getting the tests when we knew that variants were going to come and that more uh, toxic ones, if you will, in terms of the amount of spread, um, the pervasiveness of spread, which Omicron is, thank goodness it hasn't been as severe in most people, but it certainly has been very pervasive. And any of the virologists would always say there would be all these different variants that are coming. Why didn't we get the tests? And we're hearing all these reports that the president, President Biden, was told, hey, this is coming. Get these tests ready. Why is he not doing it? Why is there not this private-public partnership that Professor Redfield is talking about? Why is that not happening? There's so many different questions out there. And he also said the other big issue is that this is important because not just Omicron with its very, very quick spread, but he's also predicting that there will be other variants to come. And that's why it's important to ramp up testing, which should have been done months ago. Take a listen. I want to just be really clear. I do anticipate that this virus will continue to evolve, like I mentioned to you months ago, and it will continue to involve uh, a variant that's more infectious than Delta, and that was Omicron. Uh, we're going to get a virus that's more infectious than Omicron. It's going to continue to evolve. It's going to look for a selective trans, uh, a transmission advantage in the population that it has access to. And that population is progressively going to be vaccinated or previously infected. And that's what we're seeing in Omicron. And remember, Joe Biden said, if you get the vaccine, you won't get COVID. That's what he said in July 2021. It's there on tape. one 800 848 Let's go to Jacqueline in Brooklyn. Go ahead, Jacqueline, your thoughts about this. Rita, good evening. It's nice to speak with you. I haven't talked to you in quite some time. Uh, my opinion is there is no urgency on the part of Biden or his administration uh, because it's my opinion that they want as many of us as possible to die. Now, I may not. Why do you think that? that? Why? You know, you know, what's, by the way, Jacqueline, did you hear what Larry said? Larry thinks yes. that that Biden's being blackmailed, that he'd like to be urgent, but he's being blackmailed not to be, which is a little confusing. Well, I think there's two parts to this. Um, and I think what supports my opinion is if this is, in fact, true, what I've heard, that the government has been buying up the tests and also the antiviral meds. And now, if this is also true, from what I've heard, that there is a a, a discrimination uh, component to it, a a racial discrimination component to how those meds are being distributed to those that already have COVID. 
um, whether they're in the hospitals or what have you. Well, and, and, and Jacqueline, by the way, on, on the racial component, there are reports that in New York City, the Department of Health was talking about giving it to certain sectors, um, Latinos, African-Americans, um, a number of others. And that has caused, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of consternation to people who say, look, it shouldn't be about politics. It should obviously be about health. Bottom line, whoever has it needs it. You know, it shouldn't be about skin color. It should be about need in general. Um, but I haven't heard reports necessarily that they have been buying it up. In fact, I mean, the report has been that they didn't buy, at least on the testing part, they didn't seem to buy the test because I think I think uh, Biden thought he had conquered it or hoped that we could use his magic wand and whisk it away. And that seems to be uh, the sense on that one. But Jacqueline, thank you. Great call. Really interesting call. Let's go to David in Toronto. David, you're listening on WABCradio.com. Go ahead. Hi, Rita. Yeah, I agree. I, I was up here watching him in July uh, saying that the pandemic, uh, if he's vaccinated, it's basically over for you. I, I couldn't believe that. I didn't believe it at the time. And now we're, we're seeing how wrong he was. So and you, you thought you thought even back then it was hogwash, David. Well, how could you how could it be over with, with, with 30 or 40 percent? Not even people vaccinated at that time. Even the vaccinations were working. It's still not over. I was dumbfounded. But all these theories, I think. We can have a simple one. It's just incompetence for the most part. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. I think it is completely inept and out of touch. And I think the fact that he has had no sense of urgency, no sense of leadership on this issue, and he's basically, he basically washed his hands of it last week when he came out and said that there's not really any federal response. And basically, hey, you states take care of it. Meanwhile, on the campaign trail, he was going to be the great crusader who was going to solve COVID. And now he's just like kind of passing the buck and just kind of, you know, I, I mean, this image of him walking on the beach with his wife, with the dog and him with the mask on with his wife outside, which was a little bizarre, um, you know, but them just kind of walking along the beach, you know, as, you know, as Rome burns, if you will. It just it was an odd juxtaposition. And to me, it just sort of sums it all that he's sort of just kind of strolling along while crises are happening. Yes, uh, we're about a month ahead, unfortunately, this Omicron variant. Our uh, prime minister's off as well. He's a liberal as well. He's a, and he's, you know, he has, he's been laying low the last month that this is ravaging our country. Um, our premier has taken over, obviously, which is, would be uh, comparable to the governor of your state in our province up here. Hey, David, and let me let me ask you, is there anything we can learn from Canada or is there anything that Biden can learn from Canada? Get ready for the train. It's coming and it's not going to be about it's going to be dark. It's going to be a dark winter. Um, it's our premier. And it's true this is happening. Uh, everybody I know, every family almost is, is being touched by it right now up here. Wow. Uh, places are being short. Hospital staff is being short. Um, they, our premier was on uh, a couple of times and told the people uh, we're not going to be able to stop it. You know, the best we can do is delay it. In his opinion, uh, everybody is going to probably get this. The vaccines are going to reduce the severity of your illness, but it's not going to stop you from getting it. So just... The people down there uh, prepared. It's coming. We just uh, went into lockdown for certain sectors of the economy up here today. Oh, where where did you go into lockdown, David? And can and again, David's calling from Toronto. Everybody, where did you go into yeah, lockdown? Long period. Uh, well, um, all entertainment facilities, theaters, uh, gyms, uh, restaurants are now closed. The only thing, the only things that are open are grocery stores, essential essential things that people need right now. Wow. So you went back into lockdown. You went back into sort of what we experienced uh, at the height of it all. We had to. 
We had to. Uh, I mean, most people don't like it, but we had to because we're having, uh, you know, if we get 20,000 reported test cases a day, we're probably looking at quadruple of the numbers because most people you know what they got. They don't even get tested anymore. So we have 15 million people in here in Ontario, and our tests and our positivity rate's crazy. They figure within a week or so we're going to have 100,000 cases a day. Wow. By the way, um, I don't know if you saw this, David. We had 6 million COVID cases in the United States in December 2021. Isn't that, it's stunning. So it's, it's like wildfire here too. David, thank you. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. Wow. Um, and keep me posted, David. Give us a call soon again too, please. And we'll be thinking of you guys there. Wow. Thank you so much. Let's go to Joe in New York. Uh, Joe, you're here on the Rita Cosby show, which is also streaming on YouTube. Everybody go ahead, Joe. Hey, Rita. First of all, from this American Marine and this American Marine mongrel, Felice Buonuovo Anno con la grazia del Jesus Cristo. Oh, and let's bring an end to the 50% half of homeless men and women, American veterans, and 13,000 American veterans suicides every year. Let's bring an end in 2022. By the way, oh, bravo, oh, on, oh, bravo oh. on that, Joe. Absolutely. Bravo. Anything we can do on that. Absolutely. And also, Rita... The bottom line is we had under President Trump, God bless him, we had Operation Warp Speed. On Joe Biden, we have Operation Warped Brain. You know, I had a feeling you were going to go there because it is all over the place. And I feel I feel no sense of urgency. And and I feel we are at you just heard from David, who called from Toronto, who they're already starting in lockdowns again, which is amazing. Um, he said in a number of the entertainment facilities and elsewhere that they're already going into lockdown. And he's predicting that may be coming here. And and yet. We knew there were variants. I mean, if you listen to all these virologists, they were all expecting there would be variants of different Omicron versus we had Delta. They expect there'll probably be another one or two after Omicron too as well. Um, and yet Joe Biden seems to be like the only person who didn't know that there would be variants, Joe. I mean, he seems clueless. He's born and paid for, Rita, with some communist, evil, godless communist government and communist China that creed premier unleashed it on the world, and yet America, the Western world, the free world, still does business with those thugs, those thugs who unleashed it and killed near a million people in America and four million around the world, and they still do business. What does it take for the Western world to grow up and manufacture on our own soil? What does it take, Rita? No, and what does it take to even bring it up with China? Because, and Joe, thank you for the call, but, you know, it's an interesting point because China has yet to be even held accountable in any sense of the word. I mean, the president spoke to the premier for three hours not too long ago and didn't even ask him, hey, what's going on with COVID? I mean, he didn't even ask him generically. My question would be, what's going on with COVID? And when are we getting into the Wuhan lab? When are we going to get a chance to look at the Wuhan lab? When can we send inspectors in? That would be the first 20 million questions I would ask the premier before I even got to anything else. But yet he seemed to have time to talk with them about climate change. It's just the, the priorities are so out of whack. And as we are dealing with a crisis, you hit it on the head, Joe, that we have yet to even find out the root cause of it. We have yet to find out exactly why they've been able to block inspectors. And this president's allowed that, not even allowed China to be questioned on it. 
It's astounding to me. It is astounding. And yet he said, oh, there's no federal solution. And we have now 6 million COVID cases in America as of December 2021 in that one month. And you don't even bother asking the premier of China about it. I I mean, it it is shocking. When will they be held accountable is a great question. And when will Joe Biden get off his butt and have some sort of energy in dealing with this crisis? When you see people around the country, people whose holidays were totally upended because of coronavirus, I can count about 100 people I know, and I think every single one of them had the vaccine, many of them boosted too. And yet they had it, and he doesn't seem to be having any sense of expediency one eight hundred eight four eight nine two 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 one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Rita Cosby is on seventy seven WABC. Sadly, right now, New York is dealing with skyrocketing Omicron cases. I think a lot of people would rather be elsewhere, sadly. And I love this city. By the way, coming up in the next hour, we're going to talk about the new New York City mayor, Eric Adams, who was talking tough on COVID and talking tough on crime. I want to get your take on what he had to say. If you were happy with what he's saying, and do you feel that New York is on the right track? Now, he did make basically sticking with some of the de Blasio policies on vaccine mandates, but he did say he's bringing back the anti, you know, anti-gang unit, anti-crime unit, the plainclothes unit. I'm happy about that. Talked about punitive segregation for criminals. There's a lot of things in there that I thought were really good. And we're going to talk about that after the break. And also, do you have confidence that he may be able to turn things around on the coronavirus? Meantime, what about schools? Because now they're talking about increasing vaccines for young Americans, also particularly maybe bring in boosters for young Americans. People are not so sure about that. But the one clear message that we're hearing from many medical experts is that schools should be open. This is Scott Gottlieb. He is the former FDA commissioner. Take a listen. In terms of going back to school, I think the prerogative clearly is to try to get schools reopened. We shouldn't be doing preemptive school closures, in my opinion. But there will be situations where we have reactive school closures when there are large outbreaks. And the former CDC director under President Trump, Robert Redfield, had this to say about kids getting back to school. We have to keep these schools open. You know, I've always said the public health interest of K through 12s was to go to face to face learning. It was never in their public health interest to go to virtual learning. And I think we've seen a lot of the negative consequences. And so I really think we have to be vigilant about keeping these schools open and giving these kids the opportunity uh, to get the education that they need. And Biden's education secretary also said the objective is to get kids in school. We've been very clear. Our expectation is for schools to be open full-time for students, for in-person learning. We remember the impact of school closures on students last year, and our science is better. Uh, We have better tools. 
But right now, there are about 2,000 schools across the country that are either doing remote learning or delayed in-person learning. There's a number of teachers' unions that have come out and said that they want more testing. They want some more safety precautions before they go back to school, including Chicago. Uh, so what are your thoughts about this? And what about the mixed messaging and the uncertainty that a lot of people are feeling? Um, and I think a lot of it is the lack of clarity from this administration on so many issues. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Karen in Rockland. Go ahead, Karen, your thoughts about this. Oh, hi, Rita. Happy, uh, safe, and healthy New Year. Thank you. You too to you and your family, Karen. Thank you. Yes, you too. Um, as far as, uh, well, number one, Fauci, instead of being on the uh, TV so much, should be in his lab trying to figure out some... Uh, you know, tests that he can make up for the antibodies and stuff. You know, he's he's always on, you know, the radio and the television, and he's the highest paid official in Washington. Yeah, and by the way, he's going to get the highest, too, uh, whenever he retires, which some people say can't happen soon enough. (laughs) Karen, (laughs) thank you. Go ahead, Karen, real quick. uh, You know, when Trump first... Oh, Jesus. You know, when Trump was starting in this thing with the uh, vaccines... He was in the point of being impeached also, so he had other things on his mind. Yeah, and also, by the way, he started from square one, too. That's the other thing, Karen. I mean, imagine if Biden had started from square one, we probably wouldn't have a single test out there. You know, I mean, it's like, it's. I don't think we would see an Operation Warp Speed. I, I think things would be so far down the pike and so disorganized and, and I think so few vaccines because I just don't think he would have had the tenacity, the energy and the foresight. I, I honestly don't. Um, so I agree with you that President Trump really started with a very difficult, look what happened all over the world. Everybody was dealing with and going, what is this coronavirus at that point? It was came out of nowhere, remember? Um, and you know that Trump would have held China's feet to the fire. He was trying to. And then guess what? Biden came in and gave him a free pass. Karen, thank you very much. Let's go to Judith in Brooklyn. Judith, your thoughts real quick. Hi. Hi, Rita. Thanks. Um, I want to say something as far as the COVID, the whole thing and everything. I'm not going to hear, I'm not going to sit here and debate, debate with you about the vaccines, pro, con. It's not what it's all about for me. This call for me is, what bothers me is, with everything going, paying attention, the monoclonal antibodies has been working like a charm for everyone. And they are suppressing it. The Bidens are suppressing it all over the country. You can't get it in Florida anymore. You can't get it anywhere. They're also suppressing pharmacists to fill out prescriptions for ivermectin for uh, for hydro- hydroxychloroquine as well. And all they, you know, they want to just simply shut things down that really work, and that is very scary. Plus, I don't know if you know this, but hospitals now are implementing CRT, critical race theory, in the hospitals. They're discriminating against white people. Did you hear this? They're How is that? Priority now. How, oh yes, I, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about in terms of testing and other things. But let, also, let me get to let me and get also, to Rita, Rita, go Rita, ahead, Rita, Judith, Rita, real quick, real Rita. quick. Okay, the other thing, Omicron. It is quite mild, thank goodness, and it could give people natural immunity 
with antibodies that would be great for them. So it's my, it could be a blessing in disguise, Rita. Absolutely. By the way, Judith, on, on that, some doctors are saying that, that it gives you, it develops those antibodies and hopefully it would protect you against future variants and other things so that you're right, especially if it's a mild case. Um, then it could be a blessing in disguise for people. And luckily, most cases are, thank goodness. Um, but to your point about some of the other things you talked about, I think a lot of it is because those are things you mentioned, the you know, the hydrochloroquine and you mentioned the ivermectin and all those. A lot of those are things that President Trump pushed. And it seems like anything that President Trump pushed, this president doesn't want to even address it. He doesn't even want to talk about it. It seems like it's like out of the topic, like anything with the name Trump. Forget it, forget it, forget it. When we come back, everybody, we're going to continue talking about this. And also we'll talk about Eric Adams. I want to get your take on how he is doing. But we'll continue taking your calls on this topic. 1-800-848-9222. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story, talking to the biggest names, covering the biggest stories. She's Rita Cosby. This is the Rita Cosby Show on 77 WABC. I know your name is Rita, because your perfume is smelling sweet. And we are seeing shortages all over the country. I mean, look at the airlines, too. Thousands of flights delayed, many of them canceled because of the vaccine mandates and also just the spread of the Omicron variant. And yet we're seeing such hypocrisy among a number of different elected officials. I mean, remember right before Christmas, we saw President Biden in a shop and he was shopping without his mask on, telling everybody to mask up. And there he was without his mask on. Then also over the holiday, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in Florida, hanging out at a cafe. There she was without her mask on as well. And when people started criticizing her, she said, oh, it's because... They're attracted to me. It was the weirdest answer that I've ever seen. Uh, but here she is not actually acting out what she is saying, stressing to everybody, mask up, do this, do that. And there she is hanging out in Florida without a mask on. Sure sounds like a bit of a hypocrisy to me and mixed messages all over the place. One thing is for sure that the Omicron variant is definitely spreading, sadly, like wildfire. And 6 million COVID cases in December 2021 alone, that is a staggering number. And this is what the former CDC director under President Trump, Robert Redfield, had to say about Omicron. And I don't want people to think Omicron is some, somehow not something, you know, of any significance when and Richard Besser, who is the former CDC director, also had this to say about Omicron. He said that on one hand, yes, it is obviously very pervasive, but it could help to get us toward the end. I think there is the potential that Omicron could be our way out of this pandemic. Some will depend uh, on w- whether new variants rise up. Some will depend on how strongly the global community rallies around and provides vaccines around the globe. Because as we saw with Omicron, new variants can spring up anywhere. But this current strain is so contagious. The the rise in the number of cases is so great. Uh, and thankfully, the vast majority of these cases have been, been mild. This 
could be a way that most of the population gets exposed and has some baseline or some under level, uh, underlying level of protection against new strains. Time is going to tell on that, uh, but it sure would be a wonderful thing if this is our way out of this. But the next six weeks, Martha, mm-hmm. are going to be really challenging um, as, as children try and get back to school and people try and get back to work. And that was Richard Besser on with Martha McCallum on Fox today. By the way, uh, Robert Redfield said that he believes that there will be more variants uh, coming and that they will be probably less severe than Omicron, which is good, but also maybe even more pervasive in terms of spreading, maybe even a higher spread count, which is amazing to hear, um, which is why it's so important that we get a sense of urgency now. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Stan in Forest Hill. Stan, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Go ahead, Stan. How are you? Happy, Happy New Year. New. Yes, yes. It's a new year, a new day, and and a new uh, new situation. Uh I don't know if you heard. Yes, uh, I just as an example, here in Forest Hills, I for the first time went to t- get tested, the swab in the nose, and it, there was no lines, nothing at all. I went right in. Wow, so you that, yeah. you are you are unique, Stan. Because no, that's unique, but the place that's I, amazing. I was, stunned. No, I was outside, and they said I had to fill out a paper. They did the swab, and I got the results in three days, quick, and it's negative. But the man told me he had tested seventy people before me. 50 to 60 of them tested positive. Wow. So far as fills this area, is spreading like wildfire. But I heard, I don't know if you heard this or any of it's been on the news, the hemorrhagic fever is becoming a major disaster in China. Now, if we did the situation with, in fact, they've clamped down over there. It's really bad over there. They're not letting people out of the house. If... The same situation developed with hemorrhagic fever that developed with the COVID and got here. We got a problem because there is no cure for hemorrhagic fever. And I don't know if you spread it or you heard it in the news, but it's really bad over there, and they're trying to clamp it down. By the way, I have heard. And, and Stan, let me ask you, too, do you feel, as I do, that this administration has not even figured out, not even gone after China you about staying, about you know, you, this. You, you keep you keep bringing that up. Well, but, the reason I bring that up no, is no, to okay, your point about the hemorrhagic fever, because here's another one coming. Well, Are I, they I, not going to grill you, them for that either if it comes this way? Well, uh, do we have fences around this place? Do we have walls around this? Uh, not at the border. Not well, at the border. Uh, we're not talking the border here. The point is, uh, it could come from Europe, but it's in China. But uh, uh, if you want the opinion, I think the fact is that the Chinese didn't cooperate with the Trump administration on any information related to that. And they're not con- uh, con- uh, working with the Biden administration. They don't want to talk. So, But don't you think, and Stan, so- I agree with you that they're not cooperating, but don't you think the world deserves some answers on that, especially as you're talking about maybe something else coming? Look, I hope it never does come here, um, what you're talking about, hemorrhagic fever. But I think that... It is so important that we at least, because this is continuing now. I mean, now we're in whole, a whole other wave. And, and as you pointed out, the, the fact of how much positivity was right there in Forest Hills. And I'm glad you tested negative, my friend. I'm happy to hear that. Um, but how pervasive it is, don't you think we need to say, wait a minute, why don't, why are they not held responsible? Why do we not know even the origins of the first one? And, and why is the Biden administration giving them a free pass? They're the ones who are in office right now. They sure as heck should be pushing, not just them, but the whole world community should be pushing, Stan, don't you think? But how are you going to, uh, 
uh, uh, go after them? How are you going to punish them? Well, I think I think if the whole world says, "Listen, we need some answers," right now they all seem afraid yeah, of China. They don't care either. They're looking the other way, and they don't care what. I would say millions have died from uh, the COVID. That's why I'm saying to you. I mean, my I goodness, would, I and it, get them to do it. Rita. What I'm saying is, it has to be a world effort led by America. And if America's not leading in the rest of the world, if people are giving them a free pass, why would they? Why would they? They're not going to fess up. They they don't feel any pressure whatsoever, and that's sad. Can you give an idea? What should we do? I don't know. Well, tell me what we can do against China. I'd like to listen. To I mean, that. I think we should send a clear message. I think we should at least ask about it in a conversation and say, listen, why are you not letting inspectors in? You could certainly do that. You're the America. You're America. I agree, but they're not letting they're not. anybody in. They're, they're not, not letting anybody in. And so, that's sad. It's it really, sad. really sad. By the way, the mayor, I'm giving him six months. But after six months, I'll criticize him. Uh, I want to see what he does. So you're going gonna to give him a six-month respite? That's it. i got to see what he does. <laughs> Well, thank you, Stan. Always love your calls, my friend. Thanks so much. Let's go to Carol in New Jersey. Carol, your thoughts. Oh, Happy New Year, Rita. You too. You too. Great to hear from you, Carol, too. I hope you're healthy and safe. Uh, yes, I am. Yes, I am. But I, I'm a little concerned about this hemorrhagic fever. Oh, yeah, that, that Stan just brought up. I feel like we still got to deal with this thing first, obviously, because we, this is still such a mess, Carol. Do you feel any sense that the Biden administration is taking the lead on this? I feel like they are rudderless, no. and I feel like they have no sense of expediency. And it, and it's sad when I see the lines all over the place. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't think they do. But I was an excellent, I was A-plus student in biology, and I know a little bit about medicine. And there are certain types of hemorrhagic fevers. There's Ebola, of course, but there's also a form of malaria that's a hemorrhagic fever, and I believe yellow fever as well. And these things are all over the world. They were all over the world. Yeah, no, you're right. But but by the way, that's why that's why I still think we need answers from them on this because God forbid there is something else that they have that might be transmitted. I mean, you know, it's like like I feel like the world gave them a free pass. I don't think President Trump did, but President uh, Biden was like tiptoeing through the tulips on it. Um, Carol, thank you. I always love hearing from you. Let's go to Kevin in Boston, who's listening on Alexa. And by the way, everybody, we're streaming on YouTube as well. So you can check us out on YouTube on WABC Radio. Go ahead, Kev. Thank you, Rita, and a most blessed New Year to you, the audience of WABC Red Apple Media. Thank you very much, Kev. I knew to you, too, and your family. Thank you. I find that, likewise, I, I do find it hard to put the adjective happy, because we're in this cyclonic fictional tale that just seems to continue uh, in every which way. Where I was away... Less than 45 minutes with a federal mandate that's going to be pushed on every corporation across America that has 100 employees or more, where even the Supreme Court, and thank God for the ADLJ, is, is it, uh, that's Jay Sekulow's. Uh, yep, Jay Sekulow's uh, group, yep. Yeah, on Friday. At least they're going to be heard in front of the Supreme Court on and, the And by the way, 
Kevin, too, did you hear that uh, the Navy tonight got some good, uh, you know, some of the Navy SEALs in particular um, got a temporary injunction um, from the high court, too, also, that they stepped in and basically said that uh, a federal judge basically said that religious objections need to be considered. Um, and that was one of the things that a group of Navy SEALs in particular were saying that they needed to have a religious exemption. And the federal judge stepped in and said, you can't overstep the First Amendment, particularly at a time like this. So that was a victory for people who have been objecting about some of the heavy handed mandates. It still will probably continue in court, but that was a victory at least. I am so glad to hear that. And even though it has been a roller coaster ride over the last several months, with one judge saying one thing and then another, whether we're in the Fifth Circuit or Sixth Circuit. And what's a shame is it, 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 it seems to be our opponents just shop around for uh, various districts. If it's not the Ninth District of Appeals, the most radical in the country, um, that's sad. But uh, l- let me go back to uh, Sid or Sam that calls in every day. I go with you, Rita. We have to hold the Chinese and uh, just accountable. And by doing that is, unfortunately, we're not in solidarity as we were just a year ago with our partners, our allies overseas. There is the World Court. There is the Hague. There is number of things. But when you're not casting one shadow and there's so much money involved... And we see where this administration could be bought and sold, as with members of Congress. We're not wanting to get to the root of the problem. And we're just like 48 hours away from the anniversary of January 6th. We want to uh, just look at that every which way, exploit it every which way. Um, well, and let me let me let me take the the issue on on Wuhan and De- and Kevin. Thank you very much for the call. But the fact that this administration doesn't even seem to want to press them is astounding. As we're reading the numbers, and we're seeing more deaths, and we're seeing increased hospitalizations, and we're seeing so many cases now of Omicron, and yet here we are. You've been in office for a year. And you don't even ask your, quote, good friend, Xi Jinping, you know, hey, what's going on with, the, you know, with the, the virus? What's happening? Why can't we get inspectors in? I mean, just to make sure that this never, ever happens again. And the world community should hold China accountable and the world community should be bandying together. But if the U.S. is giving them a pass, the other people are giving them a pass, too. They're going, well, the U.S. is giving them a pass. Biden's giving them a pass. And obviously, we all have some uh, suspicions as to why. Uh, but boy, are there a lot of questions here. And it's outrageous as we're seeing more and more cases and we're seeing more and more variants. And yet still peep about trying to figure out the uh, the root causes. That's astounding to me. Kevin, thank you. Let's go to Odette in Astoria. Odette, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Go ahead, Odette. Thank you. Uh, the solution to our medical COVID, et cetera, problems, and uh, including our political problems of this administration lies in each one of us. We have to take responsibility to change our diet, which is lousy. We should be concentrating on prevention. No, and by the way, Odette, absolutely. Great point. Thank you for the call, because that's a great point. It's, you know, we can all try to do certain things. Um, you know, eat as healthy as you can, take lots of vitamin, lots of zinc, lots of vitamin D. There's all those things that we should all definitely be doing to try to do our part. But also, government should also be providing tests, 
This government said they would. They have not. There's a lot of promises that have been made to help us along the way. When you're dealing with something as overwhelming as a crisis, there should be absolutely some government support. If there's ever a reason, government's supposed to keep us safe and protect us. And boy, as we've been seeing the devastating results of the coronavirus, it's certainly key. Let's go to Tony in Brooklyn. Tony, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Go ahead, Tony, and you're watching on YouTube. That's right. Hey, Rita, you look nice tonight. Thank you, Tony, very much. I appreciate it. It's a good way to start the new year, right? Thanks. <laughs> so, so listen, I was going to say one thing, but I changed my mind. China will never let American inspectors into their countries the same way that America would never let Chinese inspectors to come and inspect America. China is not the China. Cor- correct, but, China. but, but, but we, if the shoe were on the other foot, we may be forced to take in international inspectors. And that's where the WHO and all these other organizations, and the WHO did ask China to let in international inspectors, not necessarily yeah, a different Rita, country, Rita, but they're not allowing that. This isn't the China of 1980. This is the China of 2022. They're a world leader. They own so much real estate and intellectual uh, property around the world. Oh, yeah. Look, I, I, I agree. No, listen, Tony, I agree with you. I don't see them allowing it. I think we should be at least pushing it and trying to put some sort of pressure. And I don't see any sign of that happening whatsoever. Let's real quick go to Alan in Rockland, who's listening on the WABC app. Go ahead, Alan. Hey, Alan, are you there? Let's go to Mike on the Lower East Side. Go ahead, Mike, real quick. Your thoughts about this. Happy New Year, uh, Rita. Yeah, you know, we've got to realize that when we take a vaccine, we're blocking the body from uh, making its own immunities. And and so, so the vaccine is only temporary. And now we're getting a temporary uh, fix, a quick fix, but the body now has taken 10 steps backward because it's not making any immunities. I'm 71 years old. But it, but it is reducing it is reducing severity. I mean, if you hear from a lot of people, it does seem to be reducing severity in a number of people. They do say that. I mean, they're still getting it clearly, um, but it does seem to be, and that's important. Anything we could do to reduce severity in anybody is key, don't you think? Yes, but uh, I, I I use myself as a, as a, a scientific uh, uh, person. I don't wear a mask. I, I got the COVID when it first came out. I boiled it out of me with a lot of soup, lemons, everything. And I don't wear a mask nowhere. I never get a vaccine. I did a month in a pit. My my lungs were shot after the the, the month in, in Ground Zero. I don't. I don't wear a mask. I want. I want myself not to be clean. In other words, I want the infection to come in me so I can get stronger and stronger. But when you take the vaccine, you're blocking the body from making its immunities. It's not becoming stronger. It's getting weaker. No, I hear. And by the way, Mike, I hear what you're saying. Obviously, uh, different medical people say different things, and you don't want someone to get super sick, like intentionally to get it. Um, I, but I, but I, there are people who feel the same way that you do too. And, and thank goodness, by the way, that you're okay. Cause especially after you were talking about after being there in 9-11, where a lot of people had lung problems after 9-11, um, some of the folks, first responders, I'm sure like you who are down there, um, some of the problems, you're lucky that you are okay. Cause your lungs already had some issues, obviously prior to this. And obviously it hits the lungs. So, um, you know, and I, and that's why your point exactly about 
the vaccines. There are still so many mixed messages out there. We still don't really know because even Biden said, oh, if you get the vaccine, you're not going to get COVID. Well, guess what? Most of the cases that we have seen of late, I would say, at least the ones that I know of, I'd say 99% of them got the vaccines, got double vaccinated, and yet they got COVID. Luckily, they had minor cases, but, you know, it, it's still mixed messages all over the place. And, and it's still, we still don't have clarity. Here it is so much later. And then we've got our political officials, our elected officials. You've got Biden right before Christmas hanging out without his mask on. Then you've got AOC hanging out in Miami at a cafe, uh, over, you know, over New Year's having a good time in the sun without a mask on. And then God forbid you criticize them. Oh, don't criticize Biden. Don't criticize AOC. I mean, talk about the hypocrisy. It's still all over the place. When we come back, we're going to talk about Eric Adams, who provided some insight on his philosophy on the mandates. He's keeping those in place, but he is getting tough on crime. I want to get your take on the new mayor who just took office, of course, on New Year's Eve. How is he doing? Do you believe he can turn New York around? We're going to talk about COVID and crime and Eric Adams after the break. Rita Cosby is on 77 WABC. Well, people are optimistic about the new New York City mayor, Eric Adams, who was sworn in on New Year's Eve. And I think what epitomizes the way many of us feel in New York is how I think not a sober Andy Cohen on CNN rang in New Year's. And this is what he had to say about good riddance to Bill de Blasio. Let me tell you something. Oh, please. Tell us something, Andy. Watching Mayor de Blasio. Oh, don't go on a rant. Do his don't go on a victory lap dance. <laughs> After four years of the, the crappiest term as the mayor of New York, the That's only thing the that York? Democrats and Republicans can That's agree how, on I mean, is, is what a horrible mayor he has he, been. Wow. So... Sayonara, sucker. Wow. 2022. It's a new year. Because guess what? I have a feeling I'm going to be standing right here next year. (laughs) And you know who I'm not going to be looking at? Dancing as the city comes apart. You. Uh, we don't call it booze. We call it truth serum for Andy Cohen. And I think a lot of us feel that way. Like, boy, it cannot be more downhill than the policies of Mayor Bill de Blasio in so many levels, whether it's the mandates, whether it's crime, whether it's his lack of support for the police. And there did seem to be a fresh air of energy with Eric Adams getting sworn in right after the ball drop. Take a listen to that. I, Eric Adams, do solemnly swear, do solemnly swear that I will support the Constitution, that I will support the Constitution of the United States, of the United States, the Constitution of the State of New York, the Constitution of the State of New York, and the Charter of the City 
in the charter of the city of New York. Of New York. And I will faithfully. And I will faithfully discharge the duties. Discharge the duties of the office of the office of the mayor of the city of New York of the mayor of the city of New York according to the best of my ability to the best of my ability. So help me God. So help me God. Congratulations. So how do you feel about Eric Adams? Do you feel a sense of optimism that he can turn this disaster of New York City around? after Mayor Bill de Blasio. Well, one thing that Eric Adams did right away was he said he is keeping in the vaccine mandates for employers in New York. And he also said he's going to keep schools open. Take a listen. Schools are going to open this week. Talk to parents about what they can expect. What do you say to those parents who fear sending their children back? I say to them, fear not sending them back. The stats are clear. The safest place for children is inside a school. The numbers of transmissions are low. Your children is in a safe space to learn and continue to thrive. We lost almost two years of education. George, we can't do it again. And so I say to them, we're going to create a safe environment with testing. We're going to identify the children that, that are exposed. We're going to remove them from that environment. The numbers show the mere fact that a child is expo- exposed in a classroom does not mean that an entire classroom is exposed. We just have to be smarter and thoughtful to keep our city safe. And New York Post columnist Carol Markowitz said she's not so happy already with some things that Adams has said about mandates. It hasn't worked. I mean, it would be a different story if New York was having the lowest case rate in the country. I still wouldn't think it was right from a freedom perspective. But if we were winning this thing, if we were somehow uh, beating COVID through these mandates, it would be a different conversation. But New York has astronomical numbers right now. Everybody has it. It's like everywhere you go, everybody's talking about how everybody that they know have it. the, the mandates simply haven't worked. So they're just an, an undue burden on businesses. For example, you know, the the vaccine mandates begin at, from five years old. A lot of countries don't even have vaccination for five to 11 years old, year olds yet. They're discouraged from coming to visit New York. It's really going to have an impact on tourism. It's absolutely going to have an impact on the restaurant industry. And these are all really important things for New York City to bounce back. And I still root for New York. I mean, I, I might be a Floridian, you know, starting this week, but I, I really do root for New York to come back, and I don't think it comes back with these ridiculous mandates. So what do you think? Were you disappointed that he continued the vaccine mandates? Uh, I'm always rooting for New York. You know that. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to John in Staten Island. John, your thoughts about this? Hey, Rita. Hey, John, what do you think? Well, uh, I put it this way. For uh, Eric Adams to um, talk about vaccine mandates for New York City employees, anybody working here, that he wants us to have the vax, otherwise we shouldn't work, or you want to find us $1,000 and all that stuff. How about he's a Democrat. Let's go to the 800,000 people he wants to have vote in New York City who are not citizens. Let's see. The, I want to see from his Democratic Party, the 800,000 people, see who's vaxxed, who's not vaxxed, how many people have crossed the border that are in this city not vaxxed? I want to see those people first get fined $1,000 before we get it. And I'd like to see what, at least hopefully you have one good lawyer on, that listens to you. To get on the phone, let's do a mass lawsuit right now because we have firefighters, police, sanitation, uh, you know, EMS. 
that don't have their jobs that should be should be able to work and work better than with type one memory than when people have to go through the flu and they can't even work to do to to save lives. Yeah, now listen, I, by the way, John, I hate that double standard. I agree with you. That double standard about good workers like yourself and others and obviously your buddies too and the dichotomy between that and the fact that the folks who have been crossing the border and we're hearing about more of these flights coming in in the dead of night into Westchester, the latest one into Scranton, PA. Uh, I mean, it, it is crazy. And the fact that they're not being vaccinated, they're not being checked, they're not being vetted. Um, it, it is outrageous. And uh, I have such a huge issue with that double standard that they're not checked. And yet we're clamping down across the country. It, it, it just it doesn't it, it is so unbelievably insane, the policy that it staggers me. Um, let's go to Arthur in Morristown's. Go ahead, Arthur. Arthur, you're here on the show. Can you hear me? Let's go to Richard in the Bronx. Go ahead to uh, Richard in the Bronx. Your thoughts about this, Richard? All right. Hi, reader. And uh, the Adams family looked like he almost took that oath uh, at one word at a time there. I, I, <laughs> he's got a bad memory. Listen, folks, you now live in Detroit. They're going to try to sugarcoat this thing. I understand some people are on the gag orders. They have to pretend that he's doing good. He's only there three days. They already have the mandate where they're going to say that whites will not get the treatment. The uh, other groups, ethnic and racial groups, will get Although Richard, although Richard, and we're going to get to this right after the break, he did say that he's re-evaluating it. Um, and in terms of crime, he said he's bringing back the plain closed unit, which is very important. That's the anti-gang unit. He's going to go after them. And he also said that he's going to support cops, that he will have cops back. Um, I, that kind of rhetoric, I think, is a good. I mean, there, you know, some people are not happy with him continuing the mandate, but he does sound a lot tougher on crime than I heard de Blasio say over his tenure. Well, the Adams family endorsed a new DA in Manhattan, Bragg, who Bragg said he's against the cops. He wants to abolish them. He wants to abolish jails. And, and you know, Richard, crimes. you bring up a great point because Alvin Bragg, you're right, has come across as extraordinarily progressive and liberal. And you're right. Um, it's a very different policy than what we're hearing out of Eric Adams. And they're going to bump heads if Adams continues saying that he's going to be tough on crime. And then suddenly Bragg throws these people back out on the street again, you know, a day later or hours later. You're right. There could be issues. Um, Richard, thank you very much. We're going to continue with your calls. We're going to talk about Eric Adams talking tough on crime because he did say that. He also said, by the way, that he is for punitive segregation at Rikers. You would think that that would be a pretty obvious thing. He said these really bad inmates that are killing or trying to commit crimes and assaults on, you know, guards or other inmates that they should be separated. They should be, quote, punitively separated. Guess what? I totally agree. But guess what? Already some members of city council came out and said, oh, that's a little over the top. Are you kidding me? Bad inmates that are assaulting guards. What? They're supposed to get a cakewalk? 1-800-848-9222. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Rita Cosby is on 77 WABC. Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. 
And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, a beautiful story coming from West Virginia. Well, the Christmas season may be over, but in Marion County, West Virginia, they are still using the festive time to honor active and retired veterans. Now, on the second floor of the Marion County Courthouse, there are several Christmas trees standing tall, brightly lit, and covered with handcrafted ornaments honoring those who served our country. And they keep it up for several weeks after New Year's. Bravo to this. It is a way to give recognition to those who may have slipped the community's mind when celebrating the holidays. And one of the volunteers said that sometimes in the midst of honoring other people doing charity work, we forget about the veterans and what they have done and what they have brought to America for us. So we continue this tradition and it's become a time that we can recognize our veterans as well. And it has definitely grown over the years. Um, It started with one Christmas tree. Now there are several trees and it honors 206 veterans on each of the different trees. How beautiful is that? With an individualized ornament. They say it's a way for the community to come out and to also remember those who serve. And what a beautiful, beautiful way to support our heroes and to continue the tradition after New Year's as well. Well, we heard from Eric Adams over New Year's. He was sworn in literally, it seemed like, seconds after the ball dropped in Times Square. By the way, I got to see the ball drop. I watched it from a distance. Um, I went to a restaurant not too far away, but I had a great, great view because the weather was nice. So it was kind of fun away from the crowd. So that was good. Um, but also got to see it and got to see all the lights and all that stuff and then see the fireworks kind of going off in the distance in Central Park too as well. So that was neat. Um, and in the middle of it all, I also got to see the police officers that were out and about. And a lot of them, I was talking to them and they said, yeah, we're optimistic about Eric Adams. We feel that he's going to care about us. And they definitely did not feel that way under Mayor Bill de Blasio. Remember so much so that a number at the police funerals. They actually turned their back on Mayor Bill de Blasio. Well, Eric Adams over the weekend came out and said, listen, he's going to try to fight COVID and he's definitely going to also try to fight crime. And he said that he wants to restore New York City. Take a listen to what he said. We have to deal with the perception of fear that has really engulfed our city and our city is out of control. The level of disorder, everything from graffiti everywhere, from people being homeless, not receiving the necessary care, ATVs driving up and down the sidewalk, uh, the shootings. There's a perception that our city is no longer in control. We can bring that control without being heavy handed because the average New Yorker, they want to get on the subway and go to their place of employment. They want to be able to live in a safe city. And so we must move right away to change the ecosystem of public safety, not just police, but all of those other community groups, organizations, clergy groups to be part of this new form and new trust that we're going to build in our city. And he also said something that we didn't hear from Mayor Bill de Blasio about supporting police. What I must do is say to my police officers, I have your back. You are going to be allowed to do your job. But darn it, if you don't understand the nobility of public protection, you can't serve in my department. So he's going to weed out the bad cops. But he said, I do have your back. And he also continued to say he supports law enforcement. Here's a little more. I talk about law enforcement often because that's the foundation. 
We're not getting tourism back in the city if three-year-olds are shot in Times Square. Mm. Our largest traveler, tourist, comes from China. You can't have anti-Asian violence and expect Chinese tourists to come back to the city. What business is going to stay here if their employees can't get on the subway safely? That is the foundation. No matter how prosperous we are, no matter how much we make, if our children can't go to NYU safely, we're going to find a school outside. And he also said that he will bring back the plain closed unit. That is key. And remember, that's sharply at odds with Black Lives Matter. Take a listen. We're going to zero on gun violence and gangs. They go together. We're going to take down these gangs that are really uh, creating the havoc in our city. And we're going to put in place a plainclothes anti-gun unit. We're going to partner with our federal, state, and city to find those who are bringing guns into our city in the first place and start identifying some of those uh, bad gun dealers. And he also reiterated that he is pushing for punitive segregation. Now, you would think that this is sort of a no-brainer. You know, this is basically saying that the bad guys that are in jails, like in Rikers, that what should happen to them if they try to assault a guard or if they assault another inmate, that they should be separated. They should be put basically in a punitive isolation, not calling it you know, uh, solely, you know, isolation, confinement, solitary confinement, but basically something pretty similar to that, that they should be punished, that they should not be allowed, first of all, to endanger other inmates and endanger the guard, but they should also be punished and put in some sort of an isolation away from the general population. You would think that that's a no-brainer. Well, he came out and repeated that, and already there are a number of city council members who are saying, oh, wait, 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 that's not good. We need to be respectful of inmates' rights. Are you kidding me? You've got a bad inmate who's already in jail for offenses, who's already there in prison serving time, right? They're already there for bad things, and then they're assaulting guards or assaulting other inmates. But we're supposed to be thinking about their rights. You can already tell that Eric Adams is going to have some trouble with some people on city council. He already has trouble with Black Lives Matter. Remember who doesn't want him to bring the anti-gang unit back? But take a listen. This is Eric Adams repeating not too long ago that he at least is for punitive confinement and wants to get tough on some bad inmates. Bravo. I support punitive segregation. I am not going to be in a city where dangerous people assault innocent people, go to jail, and assault more people. You cannot have a jail system where someone sexually assault a staffer, slash an inmate, and then say, it is all right, I'm going to give you an iPad and just hug you and say, don't do it again. No. If you are violent, you must be removed from population so that you don't inflict inflict violence on other people. I'm happy to hear that. That sounds a lot tougher than I ever heard from Mayor Bill de Blasio. So is he going to be locking horns with some real ultra progressives in city council and also Black Lives Matter? You bet. And I hope he holds true to his word. 
1-800-848-9222. Do you like some of the language that you're hearing from Eric Adams, who's only been in office just a few days now? Uh, let's go to Ann in Staten Island. Go ahead, Ann. Your thoughts about this. Hi, Rita. I wish I knew how to say good evening in Polish, but my mother never taught me anything. <laughs> so. uh, but you have good Polish genes, obviously. That's 90% of it. <laughs> She didn't want me to know what she was saying to my aunts and uncles. <laughs> uh, but I wanted to talk about Eric, um, the new mayor. And I'm on the edge with him. There are some things I like, he says, and some things I don't. So Now, what do you like? What Tell me, what, what do you like that you've heard so far? Well, I was surprised because I just read today that, you know, city council passed a law that people who are in the city... Uh, you know, not registered, not citizens, but in the city for 30 days can vote on local elections. They can't vote on presidential elections, but they can vote on local elections. And that's really awful. And I read today that he said he's going to be looking at that. And, And I kind of appreciated that because basically he's saying you're in the city for 30 days and you have the ability to make choices on voting for local elections. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's outrageous. What what he is doing, Ann, is it's called a punt. You know, like it's like, okay, well I'm not at least he's not saying right away I agree with that. Um, you know, uh, he did keep the mandates, by the way, the vaccine mandates. He did a punt kind of on the booster too, by the way, about whether there should be booster shots. So but you bring up a good point. There's a number of things where at least he's not right away saying I agree with that. I, I have a problem with that. What do you think, Ann? I'm glad he's not saying he agrees with it, but he's not saying he disagrees with it. So I'm giving him a little benefit of the doubt. I feel like, for example, if there are five issues that, that you know, concern all of us, if he can accomplish three out of the five that are just and fair to the people in the city, then, you know, if I'm not happy with the other two things that he may... Uh, I don't like, I'll give it to him. You know well, and and after de Blasio, it's all uphill. You know, you can't be worse. That's the one thing. And thank you. Great call. It's 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to William in Central Jersey. Your thoughts about Eric Adams. Hi, Rita. I just thought that what John Kasimichides and uh, Bill O'Reilly said this afternoon about Small increments, clean up Penn Station, let's do this in baby steps. And if I see that come to fruition, I will be elated. Yeah, by the way, uh, you need a, a fumigator, I think, outside of uh, Penn Station because there's a lot to clean up there. I, that's, I agree with John and Bill that that would be a great step. It needs a lot of cleaning up inside and outside. Um, and that would be a sign that you're going to get tough. And, and also, you know, just the, the rampant, I mean, there's so much crime with the homeless. There's so many people with drugs all over the place. Also the revolving door too. you know, the people that get busted, uh, let's not see them back out on the street. You know, let's see if he can put some pressure on Alvin Bragg, who is super liberal as the DA. Um, but also just cleaning up places like Penn station, I agree would be a great sign. Let's go to Bill in New York city, Bill, your thoughts about this. Hey, Rita, thanks for taking my call. Um, happy New Year. You too. And, you know, 
Eric Adams has a chance to become one of the greatest mayors of New York City right now. He's in the right place at the right time. If he were to clean up that Penn Station, like they said today, uh, Bill O'Reilly and John, John yep. if he were to do that and take on black crimes, save black kids' lives, um, I, I, I mean, I'm trying to be polite here, but if he were to stand up to the BLM nonsense. And, and he's already, show, by the know, way, he already stood up yeah. to the, the Black Lives Matter guy. Remember, the Black Lives Matter guy yeah. said to him, yeah. you better not bring that plainclothes yeah. unit back. And he said, too bad, yeah. I'm bringing it back. Yeah, he will be. He'll be one of the greatest mayors of New York City if he takes on, if he just does what he knows in his heart. I think I trust him. I think he knows in his heart what he needs to do, right? I think he knows. Yeah, I think he has a potential, like you just said, to be an incredible mayor and to turn it around because it is so downhill and there are so many areas of problems and he's already coming out and I think saying a lot of the right things, you know, maybe not everything I agree with, but I think there's a lot of the stuff, especially on crime. I'm so happy to hear that he's saying he's going to get tough on crime and that he's going to weed out, um, you know, the folks who, who are counterproductive to that effort. I think anybody who, who's not helping with that effort, he seems to be saying, get the heck out of the way. And he realizes that he has to turn this around. If he doesn't turn crime around in New York City and places like Penn Station and so many other places and also really, you know, he's in a unique position, Bill, um, in terms of being an African-American, also being a former captain. There he has spent time at NYPD. He knows those areas. He knows the ropes. He's in a unique position to really turn this around and be an incredible mayor. Um, and I think he has it in him. I, he just has to stay. Stay on that path and let those folks who are trying to destruct and deviate, including city council, some of the people at city council working against him, he needs to just tell them to get the heck out of the way. That that is that is pivotal. Can he do it? Is the question. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Jose in the Bronx. Go ahead, Jose. Your thoughts about this? Yeah, he really needs to take a second look at the Dobbs Ferry Deli shooting. And was all Jose, 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 you're rambling. You're rambling. Well, let's see where this goes. And listen, I hope to God that he does indeed turn this around, that he does indeed decide to maybe make things, you know, things go the other direction. But Jose... Whatever. I, it's a new year, but but not a new message from you. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And coming up, everybody, after the break, Dominic Carter is going to be here to give us a preview of his awesome show that starts at midnight. And then after Dominic is the other side of midnight. And we have Frank Morano. He's got Tony Lyons. He's the president and publisher of Skyhorse Publishing, talking about publishing RFK Jr.'s book on vaccines and free speech in America. Boy, is that a hot topic. And also Deb Otis, who is talking about the future of ranked choice voting as we're talking about politics and much more. A great lineup here on 77 WABC. Rita Cosby is on 77 WABC. We are fast approaching midnight, and it's a little Bee Gees, and... You should be dancing, yeah, Dominic. Yeah. Oh, Dominic's doing his one move again. <laughs> I gotta practice that. How am I doing? How am I doing? It's like, I don't know the words. It's like but a robot. 
Yeah. You should be dancing. Here it is right now. Yeah. I know that part. I love the VG. Yeah. We're great. We need to dance. We made it through 2021, Dominic Carter. We're here in 2022. We are all here, and I hope you had a good, uh, by the way, New Year's. What did you do New Year's Eve? Uh, you don't want to know. Uh-oh, trouble. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. We'll talk about that I, off air. I had a big, exciting New Year. I was sleep as the ball dropped because I had to be uh, here at the radio oh, station. Oh, you did. You had an early morning. At 8 a.m. on Saturday But morning. that means that they got to kick off at least the new year with you. So that's a good thing. There's a positive there, Dominic Carter. There, there is a positive. See? What did you do? You, you know what? I ended up, actually, I went to a restaurant not far from Times Square. I did what I wasn't mm. going to do. Um, but I ended up going at a, kind of a private table, totally sort of separate. So at least it was like safe. Ah, and okay. I got to watch okay. the ball drop from a distance. Wow. Um, and then I saw some of the fireworks in Central Park from a distance. But at least wow. it was kind of cool. And, and I was kind of in a little private table, a little private area. So at least I felt safe and got to kind of enjoy the, the – and it was nice weather. So I got to walk outside and watch it from a distance. So I felt a little bit of the spirit and, and, and not the mayhem of Times Square. Right. So that was right. good. I was like, right. no, you know, I, you know, with all the – everything with coronavirus and everything, you know. But, but safe and healthy and – and looking forward to a great 2022. So, Rita, we have a lot to get to this. Yeah, morning. we sure do. Ooh. Boy, boy, Ooh. it's not a slow. It's time not to a. Kick it's not a slow. All, it's not friend. a slow news day. So, uh, one, AOC seen again without a mask. Yes. in Miami at a drag bar. Yes. Uh, we'll deal with that. By the way, did you see her response to to the critics of it, Dominic Carter? Of of the, the first one, yes, that yes. you want to sleep with her. Right, yes. right, right. That like if you criticize her, it means you're trying to hit on her. I mean, oh my goodness. Give right. me a break and talk about the hypocrisy of it all, Dominic. But and and here's the big part. I told you, Rita, that the AG's report into Cuomo wasn't worth the paper that it was printed on. It's not to minimize the charges that the women have made. But just as I've said on this this radio station, the Albany District Attorney is not going forward with charges against Andrew Cuomo. Cuomo was supposed to be arraigned on Friday. It's breaking breaking as of tonight. We'll discuss that. Plus, as you know, that the um, the the Manhattan DA's investigation on on the nursing homes, no charges on that. So it is my uh, point that I'm going to make tonight. Cuomo is going to start try to restart his political career. So here's my prediction. And I said this to you, Dominic. Okay. It's so funny because you and I have talked about this. My prediction is I bet you that Cuomo is even thinking about running again because he's going to say, listen, no charges here, no charges no, there. Uh, I now, think now three district attorneys yes. have passed. Have passed. And, and this is the what, Brittany uh, Camiso case? Yeah, the Brittany Camiso, who's the current, right. who's the current aide. And so yes. uh, apparently the Albany prosecutors met with her Monday and said we're not going forward. We've talked about on your show, my show, the the uh, Albany sheriff he botched the case, and so yeah, that's, that's that whole thing. Remember the right, DA the didn't DA know about David right, Soares, like, yeah. and so David Soares has been released tonight. 
No criminal invest, no criminal charges against Cuomo out of orbiting. And also, when you think about also the nursing homes, all of those things, you know, no charges. Um, it doesn't say there wasn't dereliction. It just said there was no criminal right. activity. But right. it's it's a bombshell. And my prediction is that Cuomo again is gearing up for something. Say, hey, listen, nothing here, you know. And Kathy Hochul, guess what? You got competition. Dominic's gonna be talking about it. Everybody coming up in a few minutes. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two. And I'll talk to you tomorrow night. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.